We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often an hour's. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one day rule on its head and offer back to back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code datable and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. I'm your host, Yue Xu, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host and producer, Julie Kraftchik, as we explore this crazy dateable world. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show all about modern dating. And as we've talked about with so many other episodes on the show, we're not just about modern dating stories or tips or advice. We like really dig. Yes, we <laughs> like dig we deep. We dig deep <laughs> into the whys. Why do people do the things they do? Why do people say the shit that they do? I mean, it's just like, it's so interesting to find the motivators as opposed to actions. And that's how we can change behavior is when we find out why people do the things they do. So really exciting. Season 11 we're like full on double digits now. Yeah. <laughs> Not just barely scratching double digits, but we're legit double digits. And also this year has been unprecedented for many reasons. So season 10, a lot of it was about COVID, 
quarantine dating, COVID dating, social distancing. But I think season 11, Julie, disagree with me if you must. I think season 11 is about moving past this, moving past and looking forward to what is going to happen to dating, not just, oh, poor us, we're stuck in COVID dating, but like, how can we use it in our favor? I mean, I think like it or not, we're in a world of a new normal. I think we're actually on a cusp of a major dating shift again. Like I think the apps, Mm -hmm. when they launched, that was like the first like major shift and things have progressed from there. But now we're in this new world and it's no longer like, maybe I'll wait till this whole thing passes. But this is kind of like the world we're going to be in. And I think there's going to be so many things that happen in the next couple of years. Even, I mean, hopefully... We find a vaccine and we're not like all living in fear all the time. But the reality is we're probably going to have an economic fallout. There's a lot that's happened that has let people date deeper and dig a lot into their own relationships and really bring to the surface like what matters in terms of love and life. And I think that isn't going to go away. I think we are going to be more intentional. Like there's still going to be health risks even with a vaccine. Like things that we did, like I love when you say this, but we were like the Oprah's of kissing that we would just give a kiss to everyone. <laughs> And a kiss didn't mean anything. And I think we're starting to see why that was problematic. And for all the people that want to go back to the way dating was, I feel like why? Because it's kind of the Mm -hmm. why again. It's like so much of modern dating people complain about. There's a lot of beauties in modern dating is what we found on the podcast. But all the stuff that we've complained about, like this is giving us us another fresh slate to like start over again and like figure out what we want dating relationships to look like. I think it's a really exciting time. I mean, it's a it's detrimental what the world is going through. But instead of sulking in what's happening, we can persevere. Yep. And I keep using that word. I think season 11, we're going to talk about perseverance. What is that look like. And I think for so long, modern dating has has been the Yelp of dating, which is everybody just wants to fucking complain yep. about what is wrong. Why do people do this? What is terrible behavior? As we move forward to the future of modern dating, can we turn that into a more positive way of looking at dating? I think coming out of quarantine, so many people have had some really stellar experiences. Even if these relationships didn't last past quarantine, mm-hmm. they were much more meaningful than they were before COVID, which is fantastic. I think people also, even if they weren't dating during during this time, people, the self-awareness, the people, like, I think everyone bitches about dating behavior. And then you have to look at yourself and it's like, are you doing the exact same thing? Because I feel like nine times out of 10, you probably are. I mean, myself included. I know I I'm sure some random on a dating site would be like, who is this person, you know, just ignoring me or doing whatever, like people are human, and they might fuck up from time to time. And that doesn't make them a terrible person. And I feel like this evolution of the podcast, like it started off almost as us like kind of like, oh, this funny dating story, this annoying behavior. (laughs) And then we've kind of like evolved to being like, okay, like, wait, what is all the stuff that we were ingrained from like an early age? And like, how do we get out of that to now? Like, why do we think the way that we do? And like, why do we act the certain way? And like, how do we like, use the whys to make the love lives that we want? Like, what's the point in bitching? Like, let's use what we have to make it work for us. 
And speaking of evolution, some of you have been loyal listeners for a long time, and some of you are coming through <laughs> through another channel, which is my old YouTube channel called Asthma Singlefied, where I gave dating advice to men. And I've we've now merged the two. Now it's dateable. It has become Miss Singlefied. Actually, Miss Singlefied has become dateable. I'm retiring the Miss Singlefied name, but doesn't mean that this is irrelevant to you. I think this is even more relevant. So I want to welcome some of the Yay. new old <laughs> viewers and listeners. And as, for those of you who are coming from my YouTube channel, I will tell you this right now. I'm, I still stand behind some of the advice I gave even 10 years ago, but I do think I offer lots of temporary solutions to dating conundrums. But now with this podcast, Julie and I are really on this mission to find some permanent solutions that may take time, that may take a little bit of personal development, self-reflection, yes. effort, therapy, <laughs> you know, like takes time. But you're going to see long-lasting solutions and benefits from what we talk about on this podcast. So even though everything, I still stand by everything I talked about in the past, the evolution of dating advice has changed. Now we're into deeper uh, understanding of why people date the way they do and how we can change our own behavior to take control of our love lives. And this is Julie, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for anyone I don't Neither. know. You know, I've been like grasping on this and one of our hosts in our Facebook group. So for anyone new, we do this really awesome Facebook call, group called Love in the Time of Corona, where we have like weekly happy hours and just the community is super supportive. So if you're not in that now, like definitely recommend going over there. And one of our hosts, I was talking to him earlier today, and he said that what dateable means to him is that you're dateable or you need to be dateable at every stage of a relationship. Like just mm. having a relationship, like it doesn't stop there because he's Gosh. like, there's so many people that are good at dating, but bad at relationships. And it's mm. when you stop showing up for your partner and you stop putting in the effort and stop doing all this stuff, that's when relationships fall apart. So being dateable doesn't mean being single. It means doing the deeper work, having that emotional IQ. I feel like that word keeps coming up with everyone that listens to this show. And I think that's something that's really unique about our listeners and the community here is that everyone is just so open and so willing to do the work and not just pass blame on the city they live in or the people on the apps, all of that. So I don't know. I just thought it was a really nice way to put it. And the work doesn't stop after you find a relationship. The work doesn't stop after you get married. Like that's just not the way it works. Or you might be back in the single dating scene if that's the case. That's such a profound way of saying exactly what we've been trying to say on our podcast about this evolution of dating. I think we really want to offer the non-rom-com solution to dating. Yeah. <laughs> so what I mean by that is rom-coms always stop at the two people get together and then the credits roll and you just assume everything's perfect. And that's basically what my dating advice was before too, is how to get the girl. Right. But then I don't talk about what happens after you do get the girl because that's you know, getting someone is less than half the battle. It really is. Because uh -huh. then you still have to you still have to have a relationship with them and grow that relationship. So thank you for bringing that up because Love that is it. that is exactly what we want to do with dateable. And speaking of, I love that he defined dateable that way. We ask for anybody who joins our very secret, secretive, um, a private Facebook group, we asked the question, what does dateable mean to you? And we mentioned this a few episodes ago, but I want to read some of the recent answers. Yes. 
that have been really great. Um, one person said, being ready to date, being healthy and doing what is needed to t- take care or issues that come up and bring your best self to the dating relationship. Ah, that's very similar to what we were talking about. Being, being dateable means continually working on myself and making positive growth while trying to date. It means making sure I look inward while also looking outward for people I might want to be with. I'm seriously, my mind is blown by just the emotional intelligence of our listeners. I really like every single time. I learn something new from that this, Facebook group every day. <laughs> I'll give you one more. There's so many, but this one's good. This one's fantastic too. To stop blaming other people for their dating behavior and looking at my own space for improvement. Yes, yes. And I think, like we said, this doesn't stop after you found a partner. Like then new stuff comes in. Like you have to navigate conflict. It doesn't end just because you have a partner. And also it's, is this the right relationship? I'll speak for myself and love to hear your thoughts, UA. But like throughout the five years that we've been doing this, we've both been single at some points. We've been in relationships at other points. Uh I personally feel like I have learn just as much when I'm in a relationship as when I'm single. Because I think we're like, we definitely love to talk about like the hacks you can do on dating apps and all that stuff. But I think what what people have been saying to me, because we've been talking to just a lot of our listeners about what is different about this dating podcast than all the billion of others that are out there. And one of the things that's come up, it's not that we fixate on these like small things, like the small tactics. It's like the big picture of like, dating and relationships Mm. in yourself and self-love and it's like the whole picture of what that landscape looks like so I think it's something for everyone and I don't think learning ever Mm -hmm. stops it never stops and it never becomes irrelevant because now I mean for anybody new joining us Julie's single I'm in a relationship and I've had this question before where actually my friend just asked me the the other day she's like now you've been dating someone for two years did you stop doing your dating podcast (laughs) And I was like, no, no, I need to do my dating podcast even more because I'm learning so much more about my own relationship with myself just through this podcast. I'm not trying to toot our own horn here. It, that sounds so weird. Toot our own horn. It's like you're farting. I don't know. Just, is, that how you, is that the right phrase? That is the right but phrase. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to like make boast as like make us look really good here. I think what what we're both trying to say here is we've both benefited so much from the conversations we've had on Datable. And that's why we keep going. That's why we're on season 11, because we you never stop learning. Yeah, well, it's not boasting ourselves. It's boasting our amazing <laughs> guests that we have that like start to like make you really think True. about things and like what you want in a relationship, what you want out of life, like all of that stuff is big picture things. So yeah. And we we have these really insightful conversations and they seem like they're just kind of silly, like our would you rather. <laughs> so anybody new coming in every Wednesday on our Instagram at Datable Podcast, we post a would you rather question and we have people vote on it. And honestly, like the questions may seem really simple, but they elicit such fascinating conversations. So the one we had last week was, would you rather, okay, in a relationship, would you rather be the reacher or the settler? And Julie, you can explain this a little bit more because you love how your mother mother. reference. (laughs) And Barney is the one that came up with it? No, it it might have been, but it was basically like with Marshall and Lily, who's been like a couple since college. They were talking about like, who's the reacher and who's the settler? And there's always a reacher in a relationship and always a settler. 
whether you agree with that or not, that show was also like done like 10 years ago. Like I think some yeah. of the humor doesn't necessarily tra- transfer over. But I mean, I did love the show at the time. But I think that statement is interesting. The responses we got were very interesting. <laughs> well, what would you what would be your answer? So I did actually vote in the poll. I voted <laughs> through my personal Instagram. <laughs> I vote, you know, I went back and forth and I ended up voting Reacher because Mm -hmm. I think what it is, is there's some connotation with settling, even though settlers Mm. in theory, you might be more comfortable in your relationship. It might be more of an equal relationship. It's probably the stuff that you actually do want in a long-term relationship, but there's something Mm. about And I'm not a promoter of games and dating by any means, but there is this human psychology that if you work for something a bit, you feel like it's more valuable. And I don't think that like you need to do it like at the level of like, oh, I'm not going to return his text for three hours. I'm going to make him stay on his toes or anything like that. But I do think if like you're constantly just bending over backwards and doing whatever, like you do seem less valuable and it's more like, oh, I'm Mm. settling. So I think settling what you're settling on can be very different and what you're reaching is very different. But that was a logic I used when I answered the would you rather. What would you pick? So I'm (laughs) the total opposite. Oh, because I my legs are tired from chasing motherfuckers <laughs> for so many years. And I think that's the connotation with the reacher is that you constantly chase after yeah. your partner. They're with they're not within reach. And I think with the settler, I agree. I don't like the negative um, stigma around settling, but I do think there's something nice about settling where you have come to accept the relationship in a comfortable way that's sustainable. I also think that for me, attraction grows over time, chemistry grows over time. So the kind of definition of settling is maybe in the beginning, there isn't much of a romantic interest, but Mm. there's a friendship. And then slowly you develop that into a romantic relationship. So I would prefer to be the settler, but I would also say this in any given relationship, you and your partner will always switch roles. Yes. I think that's a good point to pick. That's a really good point because I feel like there were times in my last relationship that I'm like, I feel like I'm putting in more effort. And I remember like one of my best friends who is married and, you know, has been married for a while. She's like, it changes over time. And then when Mm -hmm. she said it, I like really did think about the relationship and there were definitely times where it was flipped. Sometimes it depends on, you know, what else is going on in someone's life. Like what other bandwidth Mm -hmm. they have happening. It's not always going to be 50-50. I'm definitely someone that wants an equal relationship. But I think the part that I've had to like change the way I think over time is it might not always be 50-50. It might be you're giving 70 and they're giving 30 at one point and then that flips. It's just when it's consistently you giving like 70, them giving 30, that's when there's a problem. That's exactly it. You don't want to always be the reacher or always be the settler. You just, you know, you got to balance out your relationship, but also know sometimes you may love your partner more than they love you. And that is okay. It goes back and forth. I think it also is defining what a reacher and what a settler means, because I feel like it's just the settler terminology is so bad, right? But it's like a reacher to someone could be you know, like they have a great job or like they are so established or they're so beautiful, whatever it may be. But I think as long as you respect your partner and you're excited by them, then you're not settling in any way. So 
Yeah, it's it's a tough one in that regards, but I like I love the would you rather's because I think it really does when you're constrained to two options, it makes you like think about your thought process. So, what do you think our audience picked? Ooh, what do you think that the results are? I'm gonna guess poll? Reacher. You're right, fifty eight percent. So actually, not that much more. No. Fifty eight percent Reacher, forty two percent Settler. But what was interesting in the, in the beginning, the first twelve hours of this poll, it was the opposite. Oh, it flipped. Settler was winning. Interesting. But by the end of it, Reacher was Reacher took the lead. So for anyone that hasn't heard yet, anyone new, we are going to be doing a Would You Rather every Wednesday on Instagram, and then we're revealing the answer. So definitely make sure you're following us at at Datable Podcast. And also our other big announcement is that we have a newly glammed up website. Yes, we do. I feel like this has been a labor of love for a while and really excited. Tell our story better let you guys get to know us. We have some really great photos that we took with our photographer, Larry Wong. And I don't know, I think it it really does represent us a lot better than our old website. So I'm super excited about this. Also, this has been a labor of love for Julie. (laughs) Julie is the brains behind our website, even our old website, which looks stunning. Everybody who's ever been on our website said, you guys seem legit. Well, I do do this outside of this work (laughs) professionally. So I hope people say that. I hope they're not like, this looks like shit. She is literally a pro, but this new website has been a labor of love for a long time. And I can't wait to reveal this to everyone because it looks slick. I mean, I think that's the thing. It's clean, it's slick, it's informative. So I used a new service, Webflow, which is really, honestly... I'm obsessed with Webflow. I think this is not like... Yeah, I know. (laughs) It Because, okay, so I'm a designer. I'm not an engineer. Like I know basic front-end code, but I'm not an engineer. So I think the challenge with the old website, it was like not that I had a vision. It's just I couldn't execute it fully. But with this, it's like anything is possible. It's amazing. We have a code if you want to use it. It's in the show notes, but highly, highly recommend because it gives you so much flexibility. So yeah, very excited about the website. And then we also have a section all about the community. So again, another plug for the Facebook group, but it's just been such great activity in there. And yeah, definitely read up and learn more about it. Yay, yay, yay. New website, new YouTube channel, new season, new, I don't know, new hair. I don't know. (laughs) I don't even know. I just want new things. But we're so excited to, to start season 11. We've been working on it, recording it. and um, But we should also talk about what happened yesterday, Julie. Because, okay, I, I won't go into like a long story what happened, but yeah, there's been a heat wave in San Francisco, oh which God. means anytime it gets b- above 80, people freak out. They're like, oh my God, it's a fucking heat wave. So Julie and I and a couple friends, we decide, our friend Louise that we talk about all the time, we decided to meet up in the Mission District where they closed off a street to car. So there's, uh, it's like you can dine outside without cars, you know, driving by you. And so we're dining there. It's hot as hell. And this guy walks by, uh, has a mask on, but nothing else on. No, he had a mask. He had a mask. I saw him there last weekend, which is the best part is I was down there also last weekend. He was totally butt naked, like nothing. 
He got pulled over by a cop last time. He, he did have the face mask on, but just literally nothing else on. So this week he had like a net on his deck, basically. <laughs> this guy was strolling through like he was at the mall, you know, like, no, just like, hey, just checking out the street and the people had a backpack on, Yep, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> Had a little backpack on and a little penis mask and a full <laughs> face mask and just stroll. I mean, that's it's a very San Francisco thing. I was going to say, it doesn't even phase me anymore. I love that. It, <laughs> but I feel like I've been in quarantine for so long that I kind of forgot what San Francisco was like. Yeah, that's and true. And seeing like a naked dude with a huge ass penis, by the way. <laughs> we were saying it's self-selecting. Flaccid. It's self-selecting. You're not going to walk around if you don't. But... <laughs> But I'm like, well, he's he's got it right. It's it's hot. So we're, you know, like he's he's got the right idea there. So we had so much fun yesterday. I had a really good time. Yeah. I think it was one that we too. found this place that had the most amazing watermelon, watermelon margaritas. They gave you like a literally half a watermelon like sliced oh. and shallowed out. And they must have mixed the actual watermelon with margarita. Oh. It was literally the best thing I've ever so tasted. Good. But I think also we just had really fun conversations. And I think mm-hmm. one of the things that I've enjoyed about quarantine or post-quarantine life, I guess we're in like this next phase. Who even knows where we are anymore? I mean, I definitely hung out with like your boyfriend before quarantine, but it was always You like did? In when? A, I feel like it was like in a big group. Like, you know what I mean? No, the way you said it, like you guys hung out alone. <laughs> like, no, no, no. When? I don't mean that. <laughs> Yeah, we actually hang out every week. We just don't tell you. I'm just kidding. No, no, I don't mean like that. Like I mean like with you. But I feel like it was always like you bring your friends, he brings his friends. And it was like a big group of people. Mm. And it was harder to like have those conversations. But yesterday it was like him and his friend and then like a couple of our friends Mm -hmm. better in small groups. So I think it was really nice to just be able to like get to know people and like do that more one on whatever group. It was not one on one, but you know what I mean? Yeah, I thought that was really nice, too, because, you know, I'm, like, such an introvert now since quarantine. <laughs> I, like, don't want to talk to people, especially in IRL. But yesterday took a lot of energy out of me to get myself there. And once I was there, I was like, this is great. I I really miss just having people um, yeah. to have a, a drink and, and some great conversations with. But when I say a drink, I think we had, like, 600 drinks. I was plastered. I was shit-faced. I came home and I fell asleep on the couch at 9 p.m. That's the best part about the quarantine life or like the COVID life. I don't want to call it quarantine. We're like, I don't even know what stage we're in. We're like the COVID life. It's like your night that used to start at 8 p.m. Now everything shuts down by like 10 p.m. So you're you're going out at like 4. Yeah, and had dinner at 4. Yeah. That's AARP time. (laughs) The early bird special. (laughs) That's where my grandma eats. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I was shit-faced by nine. Usually the restaurants will kind of try to get you out because they want to turn over the tables. But what the restaurant we were at didn't give a fuck. They like, we no. had to flag them down. We were literally no. there from 4 to 7.30. It was crazy. I know. I've never <laughs> been in a restaurant that down. long. And like, I can't even remember when. But yeah, it was... Can we just give them a shout out? Hawker Fair, so good. <laughs> Such amazing Southeast Asian food with the best watermelon margaritas that they only have 14 of and we order 10 I of love, the 14. This is the only sure. era that you're like, shout out to the place that has terrible service because you're not <laughs> ignoring us. <laughs> so should we get into the episode for this week? Because I'm so excited I'm sure, about this one. Yeah, of course, people want to know about this. 
this episode and why it's a season <laughs> premiere for us. And this conversation was mind-blowing to me. But it's all about the timing of mm-hmm. life and making the choices that you want in order to take control of like whatever the other external factors you're facing. <laughs> that sounds so cryptic. But this episode is really about trusting timing in mm-hmm. life and knowing that wherever you are is where you should be. I'm actually pulling up a quote that we put on Instagram, which was literally the most popular quote we've ever put up. And it said, no, but seriously, normalize finding love in your 40s, normalize discovering and chasing new dreams in your 30s, normalize finding yourself in your purpose in your 50s. Life doesn't end at 25. Stop acting like it does. So our our guest, Christina Bradley, her book originally was called 30, because it's basically about just like what happens when you turn 30 in that freak out moment that you're not in the place that your life was supposed to be. And she actually ended up renaming the book to Which Way to Happiness, because Mm -hmm. it really goes beyond just 30. It's like any timing of your life. Like it's really about like defining like what society is telling you that you must accomplish by certain timelines. And then realizing like, one, is that even what I want? And then two, being like, who says I need to do it by this time? So I Mm -hmm. think that's why we wanted to start with this episode too is because especially during COVID and quarantine, I think a lot of people have been feeling this stress of, okay, I'm losing valuable dating time. Maybe I'm like wanting to get married or have children. And it's like, oh, another whole year, I'm going to be single. And I think it's it's easy to think that way. Like I admit that I've definitely had thoughts like that too. I'm not going to like lie and say that I didn't. But I think it's really just like understanding it's not a perfect science. And the stress of doing that is going to let you kind of lose out on potentially some amazing things that are happening at the same time. The problem is anytime we reach some sort of milestone age, none of us have reached our fullest potential of what we think that age should be in our mind, right? Like nobody's ever turned 30 and said, I accomplished everything I wanted at 30. Nobody turned 40, which I'm going to be next year and said, oh my gosh, this is exactly how I picture my life at 40. But we need to just get rid of these external pressures of what your life should be like at certain milestones and start setting milestones for yourself. Like rewrite the script here. Why do you need to follow this journey that other people tell you you need to be on? I mean, I think a lot of this is going to stop start breaking down over time, I guess if we're going to throw out some predictions of where we think dating is going is I do think that people are normalizing this. Like I think the way the quote was written really well is, I mean, if you look like years ago, like we heard Candace Bushnell, who was a past guest of ours, say that like when she like wrote Sex in the City, like you were like a leper if you were not married or single at 30. Right. And I think it's it's gradually shifting that there's not as much of an emphasis, like some of that remains, it kind of comes full circle to what we were talking about earlier, is there is this stuff from the past that we still have in our minds, and we need to question where is it coming from? Like, why do we feel this way? Is it because 
we actually feel this or is it because we have this inflicted pressure? And I think once we can like let the pressure go and once society and media as a whole shift more, I think that's when we can really just start to live life and be comfortable. It's thriving in the now. Yes. That's what it is. And I I really hope this period has trained us to really appreciate the now because no way in hell can you make any plans for a week from now. (laughs) (laughs) Even. So it's great to think about like, you know, the decisions you've made for your life right now, even if you question them, know that you you stand behind those decisions and you can't control what the future holds. You have no idea what the outcome is, but at least you can control how you feel in the moment today and how you can feel better in the moment today. That's why I love this episode and this conversation so much. It's not so much about, oh, if I do this now, what will will be the outcome in the future? You have no fucking clue. (laughs) Nobody can right. predict that you, even like a even a um someone who has like a magic eight ball cannot <laughs> predict that magic eight ball crystal ball whatever a ball what about a, a genie <laughs> yeah, maybe some people can predict it, but the normal human being cannot predict it. So really trust in the timing of your life. What about the medium that we're going to have later on in the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> she can predict it, but only she can. She's the only one with superpowers. Do you see the sweat dripping down my neck right now? This is how hot it is in San Francisco it today. It is crazy. I actually turned my fan off because of this recording and I'm like, okay, Me we need too. to end soon because it is freaking hot. But I guess that's a good segue. You know, without further ado, yes. let's let's hear it from Christina. Yes, please. Fan on. <laughs> Do you remember when you turned 30? And if you haven't turned 30 yet, I hate you. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't really hate you. I remember turning 30 was such a big deal to me. And I do feel like, I don't know if it's just a mental thing or a physical thing, but I felt like things changed overnight for me. Oh, yeah. I There were just all of a sudden, the night after I turned 30, I thought, what am I doing with my life? It was like, it was more pronounced than my quarter life crisis. Do you remember when you turned 30, Julie? Oh, absolutely. I think it's like there's this expectation that you're like an adult. Right. Like you have no excuses anymore. You can't be like, I'm just dumb in 20. Like you can't be, when you're 30, you're like, I, yeah, I, people, people have kids, people have real jobs. You're, you're expected to perform a certain way in life and to contribute to society, which really freaked me out. Cause I remember being 30 and still being some, like trying to be an actress in New York and a dating coach and this and that, like 6,000 different things, living in this tiny shoebox of an apartment and just feeling like I just didn't, I didn't have life figured out. Yeah. I think for me too, like, I feel like in my twenties, I had a lot of fun. Like there was a, up until I was like in my late twenties, I didn't really even desire a relationship. Like I had moved to San Francisco when I was 25. I was really just like building my own life, having fun, going out with friends, hooking up, you know, just really no commitment. And then I think it started to like air when I was like getting towards 30, you know, like that was starting to creep up. And then once the 30 hit, like I was like, I'm ready for something. So there was definitely a shift for sure with relationships. And that's exactly why we brought on our guest today, because she wrote a book called Which Way to Happiness, formerly called 30. Her name is Christina Bradley. So this book is a fictional book that is all about the pressures of turning 30, especially when you aren't where you imagine in life (laughs) and you believe that happiness is based on one thing 
meeting the one. She's now in her late 30s, currently lives in St. Leonard's on Sea in England, and is originally from Lincolnshire, England, and spent some years in London. Where you, you're currently, where is St. Leonard's on Sea? This just sounds so magical. It really like, does. Wait, what are you surrounded by? <laughs> the sea, which is just gorgeous. It's absolutely lovely. And lots and lots of noisy seagulls. How far uh, is it from London? It's about an hour and a half. Okay. And I was living in uh, I was living in London for quite a long time, and then I actually left London and moved to Barcelona. Uh, but moved back to the UK and felt like I still really needed to be by the sea. So um, yeah, now I live in in St Leonard's on Sea, which is very charming. It nice. sounds lovely. It sounds like it's in some magical movie where these two characters decide to take a vacation and they're like, let's go to St. Leonard's on sea. You know, like that's, <laughs> that's what I imagine. It's like where people in movies go to. <laughs> right. I feel like it might sound more magical than it potentially is in reality. <laughs> I was going to say, we just upped your tourist destination, but now you just yeah, I know. It. That's brilliant. Well done. <laughs> You're like, it's not that magical. Don't worry about it. Don't come. <laughs> I'm going to Google it and I'm okay. going to change. I'm going to change my Zoom virtual background to that tomorrow. See if anybody <laughs> recognizes. <laughs> Name where I am. So, Christina, you're currently in a monogamous relationship. What was your own life like before you turned 30? And why was turning 30 such a big deal? I really think as, as, as I was listening to you introduce me and, and the book, I was kind of nodding along because I was in exactly the position that you were talking about. Um, I had been single pretty much all of my 20s and hadn't actually worried so much about that. I was very happy being single. I was enjoying myself. I wasn't really looking to settle down. And then as 30 started creeping in and I could sort of see it on the horizon, I was like, oh my God, things are getting a bit serious here. Uh And I suddenly realized like everybody around me is now in a relationship and I'm not. And This doesn't feel so much like this is about me deciding when I'm going to have a relationship. It's actually about when is this person going to turn up and the reality that, oh my God, they're not and they haven't. And so when will they? And I suppose feeling this pressure that because that person hadn't arrived, everything was being sort of held back as a result. 30 was a real catalyst for all of these thoughts and it was a real sort of coming of age. And I wasn't alone. The big inspiration behind 30 actually was all of the women in my life who were in a similar position Mm -hmm. and we were all sharing these very, very similar conversations. Uh, And it felt like something of a a sort of an epidemic actually where, you know, Mm. I probably shouldn't say that right now. That's a terrible word. That is current climate. Um, Genuinely, at the time that was how it felt it was right. just like oh now my it's God, all it relative so wonderful <laughs> yeah exactly it's like happy days um <laughs> but yeah it felt like it was a really big conversation among many of my friends we were all saying similar things and I thought I think there's something in this and that ultimately was what inspired inspired the book so okay in the book I love the book by the way so definitely recommend for people Thank to read so it much. but the main character Bella she kind of I mean I guess like how much of this is based off you but also she kind of has this freak out moment and and basically quits her job, leaves London, goes to New York, and then sets out like on a road trip across the country to like, try to like meet the one like, like, did you have any freak out moments? Good question. No. And I think um, the the book is 
sort of auto fiction, I would say. So while it is um, not my story 100%, it is definitely taken from my own experiences, my own thoughts on dating, the scene that I was in at the time. But I've embellished it, you know, for the purposes of fiction. Um, <laughs> and certainly the, the sort of freak out, which is, I think, a very good way of describing it, that happens at the beginning of the book to the central character. It didn't, fortunately, didn't happen to me because she really does lose the plot. But we needed something really big so that people could go, oh my God, yes. I um I kind of get this. Did you have any mm. friends that freaked out like that? <laughs> like anyone I think you everybody, know? <laughs> don't get me wrong. No, no. I think we were all freaking out and it was sort of manifesting in different ways. You know, mm-hmm. people were going crazy and going on loads and loads of dates. People were kind of drinking a lot, just different things. And there was definitely this kind of heightened sense of panic around turning 30, which is, is kind of ridiculous, but it was very, very present. Got it. So it wasn't like, let's quit my job and do anything and like make a major life change but you had a pan you had like a sense of loom that was coming definitely a hundred percent yeah and I do think the freak out comes in different phases I'm just thinking back about <laughs> when I turned 30 I re- so the night I turned 30 I had a bat mitzvah because I just wanted to <laughs> so I it. invited like a hundred of my closest friends I thought I was so badass I did a dance performance I had a friend sing for me us another friend made a cake for me I invited all my ex flings <laughs> I had my hair done, I had this beautiful dress, and the next morning I woke up in the arms of one of the flings, and I thought, this is not how I want to spend my 30s. (laughs) The night before was fabulous, but I don't want to spend the next decade like this. So the freakout moment started that night, but it took two years for the final freakout, which was when I turned around 32, I went to China on a whim to visit my family and it was supposed to be a two week vacation. Mm. I ended up staying for two years. So in a, if I were to write a book about it, yes, this would have happened overnight. I got rid of all my flings. I went, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I would go, I'm going on this trip on a whim and I'm going to stay and I'd only have one suitcase, but it over, it did happen over two years, but. It was definitely a freak out. You know what? I actually like as I'm asking you if this happened to you to get up and quit your job. I just realized I quit my job at 30. So like there you when, go. I, oh, <laughs> so when I was go. 25, <laughs> I decided to leave the East Coast and move to San Francisco. So that was kind of like my big life moment at 25. And then at 30, I quit my corporate job that I had for eight years and decided to like go out on my own and just do my own thing. So it wasn't like in a sense of a relationship, but it definitely was like, oh, my life isn't where I want it to be right now. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's the thing, I, that moment of sort of reflection and then recognizing there's a disconnect maybe between where you imagined you were going to be by this age and then the reality of where you are by that age. And, and it's kind of reconciling the difference. And I think that that can cause some oh, yeah. ripple effects. One thing that's universal for all is suddenly we feel like we need to redo and rethink our lives. So then we have all these strategies. Like, for example, this idea of Bella accepting a challenge to go on 30 dates in 30 days before she turns 30 is I feel like quite a few of my friends did that as well. They were like, no, I got to do something new. There needs to be something drastic in my life for drastic results to happen. Do you ever try anything like that? 
Absolutely, absolutely. And I originally, when I came up with this idea, was very much going to do the 30 dates in 30 days and start in New York. Uh, and I was going to write about it. And I went to visit my friend in New York and we had a wonderful time and we went out and we partied and we did all this great, great stuff. And I was like, oh God, this is never going to work. I, I'm going to have to <laughs> fictionalize some of this and just draw on all of my experience because 30 dates in 30 days is exhausting and I don't think I have it in me. So. <laughs> Got it. So you didn't freak out and quit your job, but you did go to New York and tried this like 30 dates. Let me try to meet. Yeah, when I had the idea. But I think what happened was I had the idea sort of for the book as well. So it was a sort of double edged thing. It was Mm. like, oh, there's material in that to write about. But also, I really wonder whether you could committed yourself that much and were that focused about it and that sort of proactive. Would you get the results you were looking for? I don't know. Um, <laughs> hmm. So, so that that was, um, yeah, that was a very real thought. It just didn't materialize in a very real way. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and what what has been your own journey like, going from freak out moment, turning thirty, going on all these dates, to now finding yourself in a monogamous relationship? It's been really interesting because also the the book took quite a long time to write. So I'm obviously in my late thirties now, and the whole publishing process took a long time actually. But writing the book in itself was a labor of love for many years. And I wrote the first draft when I was quite close to to turning, I just turned 30. So kind of around 31, 32. Uh, And then I just sort of left it for quite a long time. And I came back to it because it just felt like something that was still relevant. It was a story that I really wanted to tell and to share. And when I came back to it, it was interesting because, you know, good few years had passed. And so I still wasn't in a relationship. I was still single, but I definitely matured. I'd kind of, mm-hmm. that, that coming of age that we're talking about and turning 30 had passed. And I felt more comfortable with where I was in my life and who I was and all of those things. And it was really lovely because it meant that there were sort of two sides to this book. I, I was able to write it from that point of like, ah, and freaking out and, and be quite kind of authentic in that space. And then return to the book from a kind of um, wiser place, potentially, Mm -hmm. where I was able to kind of look back on that time, you know, retrospectively and reflectively and think, okay, well, what lessons were in that? And and I think some of the the kind of the deeper part of the story, um, obviously, as we read the the title, Which Way to Happiness? Because yes, it's about meeting somebody, but it's also a a journey of self-discovery and finding happiness. And I feel like that detail came in from returning to the book a few years later when I'd kind of was out of the storm and I was able to reflect back Mm -hmm. on that and add some perspective. That's super interesting because I remember like it wasn't like a oh I need to date 30 people before I'm 30 but I remember I had this like arbitrary like I need to have a boyfriend before my birthday like every year like I was like I want to have a boyfriend that will celebrate my birthday with me that was like my big thing and there was like a lot of pressure because it was like getting towards like July and I'm like when my birthday is I'm like wait there's no one in the horizon right and I think it like took me finally like having a relationship that like ironically ended like right before my birthday that I did not actually get to like have that come to fruition and I remember being like why am I putting this pressure on myself like I'm happy Mm. right now anyways like I don't need necessarily to have this in place by this date and be so like rigid and I think that's where like this freak out of 30 kind of comes in is like there's a very big time pressure component I totally agree I'm I'm pulling up some old scars here, so <laughs> bear with me. I'm just thinking back on 
what I was thinking about love at the time. And I remember there was someone that I had dated a few years before I turned 30 who I was really into, but due to some immaturity issues on my part, things did not work out. And right around when I turned 30, he came back into my life and Mm. I thought, this is it. This is the moment. Mm. I'm turning 30. I'm getting back with this guy. Everything's going to be great. And we had this wonderful night out, kind of reminiscing, but also just feeling that passion again. And I remember at the end of the day, and I told him, I said, I I think this is it. I think you're it. I've been waiting for this. And I invited him back to my apartment. He said, I don't think that's a good idea. But he said, I'll call you later. He never called me again. It was so heartbreaking. And then this is exactly, I just pulled up this email. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Exactly two months later, when I was already, when I was already kind of heartbroken, I didn't understand what was going on. Not to mention the night that we, we met up and he refused to come back with me and told me that he would call me later. Someone tried to break into my apartment. So everything was happening at once. And so a few months later, he wrote this email and the subject line was long overdue. And he wrote, I apologize for never calling that night after I got out of the cab and, and you opened up to me how you felt. I knew that I wasn't in the same, same place. Oh, damn. Well, at least he wrote an email. Didn't leave you completely hanging. Yeah. And he said, sorry, I was being cowardly. I mean, that's, it's a longer email, but that that really triggered me. It set, oh. it just, it, it lit this fire inside of me that just kept thinking like, why is it that I'm so dependent on a man in my life to bring right. me happiness? Why can't I find that happiness on my own? And I have to say from 30 to 35 was my own personal journey to find happiness for myself. Totally. Same for me. This is like bringing up so many things that maybe I've just (laughs) forgotten over the years. And I'm like, I feel like, okay, so like Tinder came out when I was like 28. And I remember like 28 to like 29, just like frantically dating, like going on like all these dates. And I was like saying I wanted a serious relationship, but I wasn't really like acting in that way. And I also had a very toxic like friends with benefits situation that people have been listening for a while have probably heard me mention before for as one of the low points of my dating life. And we actually like stopped, I remember like on my before my 30th birthday, because it was one of those things that up leading up to it, I remember all my friends being like, this guy is like wasting the best year, your like prime years. And mm. now that you're turning 30, like you need to get your shit in order, right? Like there was like this like arbitrary line of 30 being like that time to really make these life nice. changes. Mm-hmm. And I remember like for a bit, of course, then I like relapsed and ended up seeing this guy again past 30. Like I remember I was like all strong for my 30th birthday. I didn't invite him to my 30th birthday. (laughs) And then like three months later, it was like back to where I was. Like I actually like remember finally getting the courage to like put my heart on the line because like this had been going on for like two years and I had never been like, I'd always been like the cool girl, like, oh, I don't want a relationship with you. And I remember like being like, hey, can we like meet and talk about like what's going on? and just like what we're both looking for, all that. And he refused to meet. He wouldn't even talk to me. It was like that bad. And I remember being like, okay, what the fuck am I doing? Right? Like mm-hmm. that was like the trigger moment. I'm like, this person yeah, won't even meet for like a coffee. They wouldn't even meet for like a drink, right? It's like now I'm like yeah. getting all like worked up about this person. And I remember taking like a huge break from dating after that. 
and really focusing. And this was along the same time as I quit my corporate job. So I was like trying to really like build up my own self. And I think it was like huge for me. Like I gained a lot of confidence just from doing that like inner work. It was the first time I like stopped and actually tried to do it. Uh, We mentioned in one of their past episodes with Marty Batista, like used her workbook and all of that. And Right. Yeah. And started my own business and did all this stuff. And at that point is when I actually like met someone that was a significant relationship for me. So I think it is like taking that time to like really get yourself in a good place. Like, did you have any moments like that before you met your current boyfriend? Let's take a quick break to address a question we've been getting a lot, which is how do I find a creative outlet during this time? In case you haven't noticed, we here at Datable love creating content, especially fun videos. And we just discovered this fabulous video creation and sharing app called Likey, which allows you to record and edit videos and connect you with other creators in your area or globally. You have access to features like special effects, music, and a bunch of 4D graphics. We love how simple it is to use. You can record, edit, and add your own special touches all from your phone. I'm especially hooked on their new feature called Life Show, which allows you to complete missions from your bucket list in front of your online audience. Download the Likey app from your app store today. Just search L-I-K-E-E in your app store. Likey, join the fun and potentially go viral overnight. Now back to the show. Like, did you have any moments like that before you met your current boyfriend? Yes. So I finished writing the book and I moved to Barcelona and I actually met a guy who I fell madly in love with. The twist in the tale was that I'd already written the book and in the book, the character meets her kind of main love interest on a plane, a guy called MJ. And this is where it all begins. And that's how the adventure starts. And so I've just moved to Barcelona and I'm flying back to the UK to visit my sister. And there's this guy on the plane and he sat like three rows behind me. And I'm actually still working on the book. Like I'm typing away because I was doing all this editing and I was like busy, busy, busy. (laughs) And he just comes up to me and he says, what are you doing? What? And yeah, and I thought I had this moment. I was like, right, I'm going to step into the the shoes of the person that I want to be. (laughs) And I turned around and I said, I'm an author and I'm writing my book, (laughs) which is like the most ridiculous comment to say anyway. And it was all very random. And then he said, oh, can I sit next to you? Oh my God. Okay. And so we, (laughs) I know. And so we ended up sitting next to each other for this like two hour flight. And he's um, a Brazilian, which might explain his confidence. (laughs) So he came and sat next to me. And we had this chat and then um, we said goodbye at the other end. And, and that was sort of it. And we exchanged numbers. But the irony was I just left the UK to move to Barcelona and he had just left Barcelona to move to the UK. No way. So, <laughs> yes. And to be honest, I didn't. It's crazy. And to be honest, I didn't give it so much thought. And I mean, I, I thought the guy's very attractive and that was really nice. But I'm, I'm not really in that place anyway. It's fine. I've just moved to Barcelona. And anyway, about three or four weeks later, I get a message from him and he moved back. Oh. And then basically what happened was we had this very intense love affair. And obviously, because in my mind, he was the guy in the book. It was like I'd already written yeah. this story. He was the one. He was my one. I suddenly created this story in my mind that this all just makes so much sense. This is kind of what I've been being single has been about. It's been sort of waiting to, to write the book and for all of this to happen. And now like he is here and it is him. And 
we had this whirlwind romance that lasted about three months maybe and you know we dated and it moved quite quickly and then it just ended and he went back to Brazil and that was kind of that was it it's a little bit like your story that you know I had got it into my mind that it was that time that right now I'm ready to meet someone now I'm ready to have that really serious relationship and because of the circumstances around it and the kind of magic around it I was like well clearly it's you mm. and actually what became very apparent throughout the, the our sort of time together although it was a wonderful chapter in my life it wasn't him he mm. wasn't right for me and we had a wonderful time but I was trying to force it to be him and for yeah. him to be the one when the reality was it's just like no it's just not you but that was crushing when that ended mm. I was just like oh my god because you're like back to square one you're like I did all this work I like got this to come and then it's gone again, right? Let's hold that thought for a second. We'll get right back to it. This episode is sponsored by Via. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the high love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATEABLE at ViaHemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to ViaHemp.com and use the code DATEABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's ViaHemp.com and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from ViaHemp. This episode is made possible by Armoire. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out. Listen, I live in Southern California. There is absolutely no need for puffer coats or any sort of those winter jackets. But when I travel anywhere else in the world in these cold months, I'm often burdened with the task of getting winter clothes. And now with Armoire, I can just rent my winter wardrobe. It's brilliant. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash datable. That is armoire.style spelled A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. We are so excited to share with you our new podcast exit interview. Dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey, and yet we rate everything in our lives from Uber drivers to local coffee shops. So why don't we do the same thing when dating? We're here to conduct the ultimate romance review, featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback. Welcome to Exit Interview. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. Wait, wow. <laughs> what? 
There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the wall. And feedback that will make you swoon. But she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? And maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, knew I was going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And also, when you really think you found that person, your imagination, you start to run mm-hmm. with it. And then before yes. you know it, you've created a whole life together. So oh, it's yeah. like, you know, doubly disappointing when it when it kind of falls apart, even though, you know, deep down, you know, okay, probably it was for the best. It's still difficult to reconcile. Yeah, I think especially too, when you're coming from that place of fear, right? Like, especially like, as you're turning 30, you're like, I need to find someone I need to find someone. And then even like, when you do a little self work, too, and like, for your case, it was like writing the book and like getting it out there, it could yes. be therapy, it could yes. be whatever it is. I think the next person that comes, you think like, oh, like I've solved it. Like here it is, mm-hmm. right? And then when it's right. not, it's right. crushing. Exactly. And yeah, I think it's also like because yeah. you're not coming from it as a place like, oh, I'm whole. I've done my own self-work. I'm ready for my partner. It it burns even more. Well, that's also – it's also because – it feels like the universe gave you all these signs yeah. for this person to be yes. it. I mean, all these moments happened and it's it's your book coming to life. So, of course, you want it to last. This is also why people who meet in real life versus meeting on dating apps, they try to keep their relationships longer because they feel like they were meant to be. Yes. And yes. I, f- I find that right. really fascinating. Have because you thought about that? Right? Because yeah. like, if you date me on dating yeah. app, you're like, oh, if this lasts six months, then it's right. fine because we met success. on a dating app. But <laughs> if you met in real life, like you met by happenstance, then you feel like, oh, the universe oh, wanted yeah. this to work. Yeah, so the I'm stars gonna, aligned. The stars aligned. And that's part yeah. of the that false intimacy we feel and these stories we start oh, creating of this so future person we're with. But this person is really brought into our lives for a reason. And then it, they could be a passing ship. Totally. I definitely felt that like after I'd done that work and then I met that significant relationship in real life, like in an unexpected way, the story was so good that I felt like it was like meant to be. And I I agree with you. I think like, especially with like online dating, it just doesn't have that same like lust. And especially in your case too, like yours was like identical to the book. Like that is like so hard to kind of feel like that isn't a universal signal. Yeah, exactly. Why do you all think that 30 is such a triggering age? What is it? Is it the media's portrayal? Yeah. (laughs) You think so? I think it's that. And then also, I think we talked about this before um, on some other episodes, too. It's like, in your 20s, kind of everyone's on the same page. Like, we're all like getting out of college. We're trying to figure out life. We're like fumbling through relationships. And then when 30 hits everyone starts to go down different paths. Like some people get Mm. like wildly successful. Some people are having children, marriages start like weddings, all of that. And I think it really there's a there's a lot of comparison game happening. And I think Mm. social media has like amplified it as well. What do you think, Christina? Yeah, I completely agree. And and I mean, that is a sort of huge undercurrent in the book that actually the character is taking a detox from social media because actually it's become too 
present in her life. And, and really, as you see throughout the story, what it boils down to is just comparing her own life with everybody else's and, and feeling inadequate as a result. You know, and we know that social media has the potential to do that because obviously it's everybody's sort of highlight reels and you're looking at everybody else's life and, and feeling like, oh my goodness, you know, as you say, every different choices. So you're, you're looking at those and potentially, you know, thinking about what you haven't done and what you haven't got and where you haven't reached yet, if you might want to. And, and I think it puts a pressure on you. And I think that 30 just becomes that sort of marker where you really begin to take stock in your days, it's been an even playing field. And then all of a sudden, people are taking very different paths. Um, and you feel like you're being left behind. Yeah. So along the same lines with what you are both saying is getting on the same path, and then you start seeing people taking different paths. I also feel like 30 is when you start to feel loss and failure. Mm. And in your 20s, things happen, you get that little promotion, you get that first job and you feel these little wins a lot more. You get that first relationship. You go on five dates in a week and it's like these little wins make you really happy. But suddenly at 30, you start thinking about what's my next step in my career? What's my next step in my personal life? And also you start experiencing loss. This is when I remember a lot of my friends were losing grandparents or relatives or even their own parents. And then you start looking back like, what did I do in my 20s to to prepare myself for this loss? Nothing, Mm -hmm. right? Like I was just not mentally prepared for what was to come, which is real life is about to happen. So do you guys think that like 25, 35, 40, etc. are as big of freakouts as 30? Because I definitely feel like all of those years are kind of like milestone years that cause you to like reevaluate what's going on. But for whatever reason, for me, I didn't feel... I mean, I guess I moved across the country when I was 25. So maybe I did a little but like, I feel like 35, I definitely was like a looming sense like, okay, I still haven't found my partner, but I was more secure with myself then. So it didn't feel as like, crazy as 30. But at the other side, like 30th birthday was like a big deal. Like it was fun to celebrate. And I feel like I was a little more down to celebrate 35. I don't know. What do you guys think about the different kind of milestones? It's a good question. I think they're all pronounced in some way. Uh, and I think they, I, I think generally for me, all birthdays make me take stock. I, you know, maybe not on the same scale as when you um, change decades, but I think that, you know, every year I kind of look back and reflect on the year and I'm actually, I'm 39. So my next birthday, I'll, I'll be turning 40 and I feel relatively calm about it. I don't, and I think that that just comes perhaps from from growing up a little bit and just accepting mm-hmm. things and, and not being quite so, you know, you know yourself better and you're not looking around comparing yourself in the same ways that you perhaps were, you know, five years ago or 10 years ago. I'm certainly not doing that. But I also think the conversation changes. So, you know, for me, the big thing at 30 was, um, you know, being single and looking around and seeing my friends getting married and, and being in relationships. And now, you know, the, the conversation for myself and also for many of my friends, it's not really about meeting somebody anymore, even mm-hmm. though, you know, I am in a, in a relationship. It's about babies. Mm. Um, and, and are you going to have children? And the time is ticking and it's running right. out and all of these sorts of things. So it's so it's a different type of, of pressure and a different conversation for sure. Um, one that now doesn't even need to involve being in a relationship or a man. Mm. But there's yeah. still a kind of a moment of, of 
real sort of reflection and contemplation, I think. Christina, you and I are in the, in the same boat. I'm 39 turning 40 next year. And I feel super yeah. calm about it. I feel like 40 will be the decade of I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, anything can right. happen. I agree. I am <laughs> like, with you. <laughs> right? I don't, I don't feel like I have any pressure on myself for how I should be at 40. But something told me when I turned 30 that I should have these things and there were the haves and have nots. And that Mm. really triggered my freak out moment. But also when you turn 30, you, this is what happened to me. Like in your twenties, you feel like there are certain milestones in life. And once you hit those milestones, your life is set. So in in my twenties, I kind of felt like once you have a job and you have a family and you have kids, your life is set. There's nothing else you need to worry about. But I think at 30, I started seeing that there were so many more milestones. Like you were saying, Mm. Christina, once you have kids, then it's a pressure of having, once you get married, it's the pressure of having kids. Once you have kids, it's the pressure of getting your kids the right education. And then once the kids are in school, it's about your retirement. I mean, it just, it's never fucking ending. It just goes on and on and on. It goes on and on. And 30 kind of lifted that ceiling and made you see that there is no end in sight. (laughs) One, I don't know. I don't have life figured out. And two, I have no idea how anybody else is doing life. And that's where where the more freakouts happen in that decade. But I love being in my late 30s and having that freakout calm down and just just being in my own skin. So, okay. So here's a question. Christina, when did you meet your now boyfriend? So what was brilliant about that was the day that I got my agent for this book and finally like I'd done all of the editing and I'd finished it was the day that my boyfriend, my now boyfriend and I became official. We'd met oh. about two two weeks, two weeks before and he uh, lives in the UK, which is why I've moved back to the UK. And I was living in Barcelona at the time. So when we first met, uh, and got together, it, it was a very casual thing and it was not going anywhere. And then very quickly, I realized like, my goodness, I think actually I would like this to go somewhere and I have no idea what that would look like. Um, and then we decided on that day, we were like, okay, well then let's just figure this out. And we've been together for two years now, okay. which is um, which is really, really great. And I feel very, uh, this relationship, I don't know, it's difficult to explain, I suppose, but it feels incredibly different from every other relationship I've ever been in um, Mm. and everybody else I've dated. And I think the one thing about it that is quite cool is that um, going back to the Brazilian chap, (laughs) he made so much sense to me. (laughs) Let's just call him that. Uh, He made so much sense to me, right? Like everything about it was what I'd imagined in my mind. It's what I'd written about. He was, he sort of fitted into this idea of the man I was going to be with, I suppose. Mm. And yet in reality, it didn't work at all. Um, And then Neil, who I'm with now, is the exact opposite. I wasn't really looking for him and he just arrived. Mm. And he comes with two children um, and he was going through a divorce when I met him and we lived in different countries. So there was nothing about it that on paper would actually seem right. right. And yet... There was something about him that I was just like, yeah, this, this is right. I so, love that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, kind of, it was kind of cool. And I really feel as well that it was, a, it was sort of marking um, the end of my single. I feel like I needed to be single for as long as I was before I got into this relationship. So you feel I like feel this like is was, it? 
Do you know what? Yes. Yes, I hope it is. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But but equally, I also think relationships, they're a work in progress, aren't they? And I'm really reluctant, I think, to pin my whole life on this idea that I'm going to meet somebody and Mm -hmm. then this is going to be it. Because I think it doesn't allow for us to change, for them to change, for circumstances to change. And I don't think we should just make that... um, we can have that intention and that hope, but I think that's something that we need to continue kind of recommitting to all the time for as long as it's working. And at the point that it doesn't, if it doesn't, then you have to kind of, you know, reevaluate things. So I, I definitely am in a relationship that I'm very, very happy in and very committed to and hope will be the one, mm-hmm. but you know, you've got to live it and see how it works and develops and goes. So the reason I asked you, because I think like both of you were saying that you're about to turn 40, right? Which is a pretty big milestone of a new decade. Like I think the 25, 35, it's like the halfway mark, right? And then the new decade is kind of the big time. And I think with 30, we talked about that there's this feeling of like, I need to find the one by 30. And I was wondering, because both of you are approaching 40 and you're both in relationships that are serious, right? And it's, I guess I was wondering, is the pressure relieved because you feel like you found that person? Or do you think the pressure is relieved because you have come to terms with that is not all that makes someone happy in life? And it sounds like, at least from your perspective, Christina, I'd love to hear yours too, UA, that it's, it's a combination of both. And you're kind of in the mental place, though, like, if this doesn't work out, I'm still going to be okay. And I don't need to be like bound to these timelines like I once felt I was. Yeah, for me, you've sort of summarized it right there, to be honest. It is a combination of both, for sure. Um, And I think also remaining single throughout your 20s and and into your 30s as well, I think it potentially influences that uh, mindset a little bit more. I think you feel a little more comfortable in finding your own happiness and knowing that ultimately a relationship doesn't define your happiness or yourself, but it definitely is a wonderful, you know, journey to go on with somebody and a place to be. I sensed your hesitation, Christina, when Julie asked you if this is it and you were like, I hope this is it. And I feel the same way. There's something very absolute about that statement. Like this is it. And this is, this is going to be the rest of my life. And being in my late 30s, I feel like nothing's it, but I feel like I it's not about finding the one anymore. It's about finding the right person. Mm, and to yes. me, what has really been clear to me about my current boyfriend, where I don't know if so he if he's the one, I don't know if he's it, but I know he's the right person for me right now because of this. And this was really profound to me recently to notice. Before I felt like the right person for me would help me not think about the previous ones that I was really caught up on. So they would take my mind off the the guy in New York or this guy that really broke my heart. But I realized the right person for me helps me find clarity on why the previous men were in my life. So I don't not think about these people, but I think about them in a way that's more clear about why they were part of my journey. Mm. And that's how that's how I approach my love life now. It's not 
the one, but the right person that helps me find clarity. That's a good point, too, because like I think especially with um, coronavirus and everything we've been dealing with, I think the one thing we can learn and know is that nothing is like forever, right? Like things that are in one place today might not be tomorrow. And it might not be that like you decide that you're not right from each other. Like there's so many things in life that can happen. So it's all about just like accepting the present, right? And I think like when you're in your third, 30s or like about to turn 30 you're so future focused mm-hmm. and I think like there's quotes of like if you live in the past and you live in the future like that's really just not the key to happiness like you need to be in the present and I think like personally I think there's probably some balance between the three like you should learn from your past have a plan of where you want to go in the future but be primarily focused on the present and it sounds like from what both of you just said is it's not necessarily about like accepting something or finding the one it's more just being present with current day and being happy for what is in your life at this moment yeah that's really beautifully put actually and summarize it <laughs> it yeah really fantastically that's very much where I feel right now and I think it is so important I think we can get really quite obsessed with planning and future thinking and I think you know, it is happiness comes from staying in the present um, mm-hmm. and just really appreciating that as well and, and not thinking too far ahead or being too held to the past. I think that is a secret to happiness, really. And Christina, starting with you, looking back, what advice would you give your younger self? Mm. Let's say at age 29, <laughs> right about right around the right time the you're cusp. having your yeah, freak out <laughs> moment. What is some advice you give to your younger self? Take a deep breath (laughs) Uh, for a start (laughs) Um, and trust in the timing of your life, Mm. I would probably say, because I really do think that my life has worked out so far, not necessarily how I wanted it to at the exact times that I wanted those things to happen, but it has guided me and led me in a really wonderful way. And, you know, the timing has actually been perfect. And I don't think I you know, would have been ready to meet my now boyfriend five years ago. I think we would have, Mm. our paths would have totally crossed. So yeah, I think I would just say trust in the timing of your life. I love Mm. that. I think it sounds like too, you might've dismissed a lot of things about your current partner back then that you were totally open Mm. to now. Yeah. Absolutely. And and he would have still been married back then. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so That's true. true. You know, there you and, go. And I think, <laughs> and as we said before, you know, uh, you, you just learn so much as you go and relationships aren't all easy. And I think you really have to, to know yourself really well to be able to have a healthy relationship with somebody else. And and I really needed that time to, to have a relationship with myself and also to take these lessons from all the dates that I had along the way and all the relationships that I had along the way. And I think all of them have in some way, you know, helped and informed the relationship that I'm in now. Love that. I think the advice I would give myself to like, let things happen the way they should. I think like if you put pressure on things, whether that's like finding the person by the time you're 30, going on 30 dates in 30 days, uh, whatever it may be, or trying to make a relationship work that just isn't, I think like the best thing you can do is just kind of chill the fuck out and like let Mm -hmm. things play out the way they need to be. Because 
I, I don't know about you guys, but I think what I've learned along the way is anytime I've tried to force things or anytime I've really tried to put my pressure on myself and have these arbitrary deadlines, like it just doesn't end well. Like it doesn't typically, I don't know, for at least for me, like when I have met people, they've kind of popped up very unexpectedly. They have not popped up when I've been on like a mad frantic search. And I think like there's yeah. something about the headspace of just being happy. And uh, for me, again, when they have popped up, it's usually when I'm in a good place myself that has nothing to do with relationships. Like I mentioned, one significant relationship was when I had started my business and I was really excited about what I was doing and fulfilled professionally and creatively and all of that. And then another time uh, most recently was when I was just like in a really good place. I was eating healthy. I was exercising a lot. I was in like the best shape physically I've been in for a while. So I just felt good, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, When you feel good, you radiate that energy. And when you're coming from things in a place of frantic, when you're coming coming Mm -hmm. to things in a place of panic and like franticness, I don't even know if that's the right word. Mm -hmm. But anyways, when you're... (laughs) When you're coming from from a place of panic, you just can't be that radiant self that lets people be attracted to you. Absolutely. People feed off of each other's energy. And along the same lines, Julie, I would tell myself, surround yourself with happy people. Yes. I I just remember being in these miserable moments and surrounding myself with people who were more miserable. Mm, And that was a really bad decision because we all made bad decisions together and we just drug each other (laughs) down. I also believe in that energy is not so much even just what you radiate, but like what you surround yourself with. Um, You have to control that in your life. Also, I would tell myself, get excited. This is just the beginning and get excited for everything the universe is going to throw at you. Even if these things don't stick, they're thrown at you for a reason. And along the lines of what you said, Julie, is you have to go through the trenches. I just love this phrase so much because once you feel like you're in the trenches, you feel like you're at a rock bottom, just know that you will come right back up. And when you come back up, it's just going to be so much better. Oh my God, I'm sure so many people needed to hear that right now, myself included. So thank you. (laughs) I think sometimes (laughs) like you just need to hear that phrase. And I think also times like, maybe this is, this can kind of kickstart us into takeaways, but I think so many times we put these deadlines on these artificial deadlines. Like I remember when I was graduating college, I had this really nice family celebrate celebration and I was like moping the whole time. I was miserable because I was like, I was convinced that my life was ending. Like my great life, like I would never be happy again. Like I was entering the real world and it was only doom and gloom going forward. I remember literally (laughs) crying at my graduation dinner. And yeah, that happened. I'm sure my parents were super thrilled about throwing this nice graduation dinner for that. But But I remember after that, like my 20s, like early 20s, I was like, wow, this is actually better than college. Like, I remember thinking that I'm like, I'm like, yeah. on my own, I'm surviving, I'm thriving, I'm still having a good time, but I'm like, have some meaning in life, like mm-hmm. all of this. And I think that keeps happening in life. Like for me, at least, like, I feel like when I thought 30 was the end of the world, I found love at 31, right? So it's like, it just, you mm. know, like things don't always go according to plan. And like, they're always going to be 
everything builds on each other. I think like you mentioned, Christina, I think this is a really good point is like, you need to have the experiences that you do in life. Like you said about meeting the Brazilian guy, it kind of showed it was a stepping stone for your current relationship. And I think life is all about stepping stones, whether that's meeting people, falling for people that aren't right for you, or having those times when you're single and you really can see that you can take care of yourself and you don't need someone, but you just want someone to share your life with. My only takeaway that I would add is we need to start getting rid of the when and then statements. So when this happens, then I'll feel this way. I hate that because I I really do hate that with a passion because you are relinquishing that control to uncontrollable factors in your life. That's when you lose hold of your own life. So with turning 30, turning 20, turning 32 and a half, it doesn't even matter. That's all arbitrary. Uh, Start getting rid of these arbitrary milestones in your mind that are supposedly going to make you happy because from this collective experience of us right now, the three of us, we can tell you your happiness is not dependent on milestones. Yeah. And I think Christina brought up a really good point too, is there's always another, I think actually everyone on this call brought this up, but like there's always Mm -hmm. another milestone, right? Like if you're really, like we hear from people that are single that get asked like, when are you going to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend? And then when you're dating someone, when are you going to get married? When are you going to have kids? When are you Mm -hmm. like, you know, it just like keeps going. So having that mindset, just to iterate what you just said, it's like, there's never an end. So like, why put yourself through that? Christina, any takeaways from you? I I think just reiterating what you said, actually, and just enjoying the now, making your own rules and dancing to the beat of your own drum and staying present in the life that you're creating for yourself now. And it can all change. So it's just about, I feel, enjoying, enjoying where you are and not wishing your current day away. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm very lucky that I have a mom that's very much like, you know, you got to do you and there's not one right path for anyone. Like, I think she doesn't really give me much pressure to find someone and all of that. And I know a lot of people do have that external pressure that is eating at them. But I personally have just a lot of pressure for myself. And I think it's like, and maybe this isn't a takeaway, but more of an action item. But it's like, how can you make that mindset shift? Like, what is a way that every day you could write down one reason what you're happy for today, current day and staying present. And also just really getting clear that like everything does build on each other and there there is no set plan. And I don't know what the solution is because it's easier said than done. But I think just like carving out some of that time for self-reflection is a really important step. So you're not just talking the talk, but you actually believe that we are all on our own timelines and yeah, arbitrary numbers really don't matter. Not at all. Don't matter. Any last thoughts from anyone? <laughs> I think this was a really Fantastic. good discussion. <laughs> Thanks for this, this being therapist to us, Christina, because I felt like uh, you opened up a can of worms <laughs> at the very beginning where Julie and I kind of just went with it. We're like, yes. <laughs> Oh my God, I'm like, I've suppressed a lot of stuff that I forgot yeah, about. I dug up an email from 2011. So, yep, we went there. We went there. If people want it. to get a hold of your book, where can they do that? You can buy it on Amazon. Um, 
the with a new title which way to happiness or 30 either one will pop up uh that's probably the best place and it's uh co.uk in my country and .com in yours awesome fantastic thanks christina i hope you're enjoying your days at st leonard's on sea i just want to say that i just <laughs> makes me feel makes me feel fancy <laughs> we're gonna what's the what's the uh quarantines lifted the new hot spot is <laughs> yeah I know everyone will come flooding. There'll be all these people from the US flooding. <laughs> like, we heard about it on Dateable. It better not disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope we get commission from it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Thanks for sharing your Thank story. Thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful. Thanks, Christina. Thank you. We usually wrap up. Stay Dateable. The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Want to continue the conversation? First, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at Dateable Podcast. Tag us in any post with the hashtag stay dateable and trust us, we look at all those posts. Then head over to our website, datablepodcast.com. There you'll find all the episodes as well as articles, videos, and our coaching service with vetted industry experts. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We're also downloadable for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher Radio, and other podcast platforms. Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.